Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. First, I want to welcome everybody that's here. It's great to see you. And we also want to welcome everybody that's online, wherever you're at. We are so glad that you're with us today. The online church is alive and well. Well, I want to talk to you today about, well, actually what happened about a year and a half, two years ago. I was talking about the difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. And some of the folks on staff said to me, this is that your series are just too long. So I was going to talk for 10, 10 weeks on, on that subject. And they said, that's too long. And so I went halfway and I did five weeks and, and just quit. But in my mind, I was always like, I'm going to pick that up. You know, I'm going to come back to it. And uh, finally, I'm coming back to it. So I want to talk to you really about becoming a disciple. So when Jesus arose from the dead, he appears to his disciples and he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He didn't say go make Christians. He said, go make disciples. And notice he uses the word make. In other words, he's telling you there's a process. You don't get saved one day and boom, you're a disciple. There is a process. You make a disciple. So this this process, I could really even say, is, is like my job. But I would say this, that a Christian comes to Jesus looking for a better life, right? Uh, But a disciple comes to Jesus and he comes with a different thought. His thought is, I want Jesus to make me a better person. You remember the prodigal son, he left and he said, give me. But when he came back, he said to his father, make me like one of your hired servants. And really, a lot of Christians have that attitude of make me, God, make me this, make me that, help me this, help me do that. Right? But a disciple has the attitude of God. I don't want you to just give me, give me, give me. I want you to make me. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15, it says, he died for all. How many would say he died for you? All right. That those, in other words, this is the reason that he died that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So the purpose that Jesus died for was so that you and I would not live a self-focused, self-absorbed life, but that we would live for him. You know, most people who call themselves Christians, uh, they're living for themselves whether it has to do with their work, their money, their hobbies, their family, their kids, their sports. But disciples take Jesus seriously. You see, Jesus does not want the leftovers of your and my life. What he wants is not just part of us. He wants every part of us. He created us. He died for us. He paid our debt. He forgave us. He gives us freedom and he expects us to use that freedom to honor him in every possible way that we can. So let me just kind of give you a a, a few thoughts about Christians versus disciples. Christians see Jesus as their savior. They've got some fire insurance, but they're living for themselves. Now, let me just say this. 
almost everybody, that's where we start. We come, we get saved. And I know when I got saved, I was like, praise God, I'm not going to hell. And that was a big motivation. That's a good motivation, right? That's where we start, but that is not where we're supposed to stay. Disciples believe that Jesus is their Lord and Savior and live to please him. They seek first the kingdom of God. Their top priority is let's build the kingdom. His kingdom, the one Jesus said, pray your kingdom come, not our individual kingdom. Christians exalt their own opinions and feelings and thoughts above the word of God. You know, Christians are really focused on what God can do for them, where a disciple exalts the word of God above their opinions, their feelings and their thoughts. And they're focused on what can I do to build the kingdom of God? A Christian thinks the church is there so they can hear what God's word has to say. And they're really interested in gaining knowledge and being knowledgeable and knowing things. Disciples believe the church is a place where they learn to do what the word of God says. They come to church to be changed, not to get some information. Christians are accountable only to themselves. But disciples are accounted to every, accountable to everybody. And here's what I mean when I say that. Matthew 5, verse 14, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. You're a city that's set on a hill. Jesus said, people should look at you and glorify your father who is in heaven. The disciple is not just thinking about how what I do affects me. They're thinking about how, how does what I do affect the kingdom of God? Christians serve God when it's convenient. Disciples serve God when it's inconvenient, when it's sacrifice, and when it's hard. Christians try to impress God by being religious. Uh, They come to church and kind of like, okay, got that marked off. God, I showed up. God, I did this. God, I did that. They do it when it's convenient. But a disciple seeks to know God in a personal relationship. They want to please him. They want to know him. They're thankful and they serve out of love and gratitude, not to get brownie points, not to fulfill a duty. A Christian follows God as long as everything is going well. In Mark chapter four, Jesus gives the parable of the sower. And he says, and then when tribulation, problems or persecution comes, he said, they fall away. Just when things are going well, they're there. But a disciple follows God regardless of the circumstances. They're willing to give up friends, worldly possessions. They expect to sacrifice. They expect it to be hard and they expect to suffer. You know, Paul told Timothy, as a good, suffer hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if anybody wants to come after me, he said, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. One translation says it this way. It says, you'll lose your low life and you'll receive the high life. I like that. Christians choose their path and ask God to bless it. They say, God, this is what I want to do. No, God, bless this. Bless it, God. Bless it. Bless it. They're self-focused. They're self-absorbed. They're self-promoting. It's about my goals, my ambitions, and my dreams. Disciples ask God to reveal his will and then follow it. They look to God for direction and for his plan. 
And they're not saying, God, here's my plan. Bless my plan. They say, God, what's your plan? How many know God's plan is already blessed? Christians are full of pride if things are going well and self-pity if they're not. Disciples are full of gratitude because God's love never fails whether things are going well or things are not going well. Christians are temporal minded. They're just focused on the things of this earth. Disciples are a heavenly and eternally minded. The Bible says in Colossians, it says, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. For you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. Well, today, uh, that, that's kind of my introduction to kind of get us to where we, we need to be. Right? Uh, I want to talk to you about the disciples' attitude about the Word of God. Because disciples are governed by the authority of God's Word. And they, they look at the Word and they say, that Word is God's will for me. And when I follow that Word, I'm going to be lifted. It's going to stretch me. I'm going to grow. The kingdom of God is governed by the word of God. Right? And what Jesus came to announce and to bring was the kingdom of God. When he began to preach, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Right? Now, we're living in an information age. Knowledge is available instantly. Now, when I was growing up, if you were a kid and you wanted to know something, you asked somebody who was older. Right. Today, you just ask your phone. Right. You don't get that. that a, a young person or a child does not need a parent in order to get some information. Now, listen, they need the parent in order to interpret how to use that information. But they don't need it to get information. I mean, we are in an information tsunami. Any subject from politics to fishing, from recipes to landscaping, you just jump online and bam, there it is. But when you're a disciple, you're looking to the word of God as the absolute authority in your life. You know, today we've got about fake everything. We've got fake peace and fake news and fake purpose and fake priorities and fake joy and fake morality and a fake world view. But what we're to do is we're to be looking to the word of God as a disciple and believing that that word of God is going to do something on the inside of us. It's going to bring change, right? 2 Corinthians 3.16 says this, but we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. In other words, when we come to God, we come as we are and God receives us as we are, but he doesn't want to leave us the way that we are. Right? And we're, we're to be changed. We're to be transformed from glory to glory. In Ephesians 4, it tells us where we're supposed to end up, and we're supposed to end up conformed to the image of Jesus. We're supposed to become like Jesus. Now, Genesis chapter 3. Now, if, if you ever went to, to a Bible college or, or go to seminary, uh, one of the classes that you'll take is hermeneutics. Uh, it's interesting to me how educators always want to put big words on simple subjects. Right? And all it means is, how do you interpret the Bible? Right? But one of the first classes that's always in a hermeneutics class 
is called the principle of first mention, which simply says the first time anything is mentioned in the Bible, the, 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 the dominant truths about that subject are going to be shown the first time that it's mentioned. And all through the Bible, what's shown in the, in the, first, time, the first mention is going, to, is going to show up. And it is so true here. This is Genesis chapter three. This is the first time the devil shows up. And it says, now the serpent, by the way, is talking about the devil. And in the beginning, he's called a serpent. Right? You get to the book of Revelation and he's called a dragon. Right? How many know somebody's been feeding him because he's growing? Right? He's, been, he's been growing. But now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the trees of the garden, but of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it nor touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. Now, notice the first words that came out of the serpent's mouth. Has God indeed said, or has God truly said? The translation, has God really said? Now, the, the devil has not changed. Those are some of the first words that comes out of his mouth when he is tempting you or he's tempting me. He's saying, you, you, you know, that, 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 that thing that, that's in the Bible, well, that was true for the first three centuries. You know, but today, I mean, we are living in a multicultural progressive society in those things that were in the Bible. They, they don't apply to us today. Has God indeed said that's not going to what God said? That's not going to happen. In fact, God said, you'll die Would the serpent say you will not die. The devil will contradict the word of God. And he said, well, you become like God. They were already like God. And they were going to become like the devil. They were going to become his servants. Right? A lot of people will look at that and think there's very little relevance to us today. But has God really said? Does the Bible really mean that? Is that really true for me in my situation? Now, the commandments were clear. The commandment was clear. Don't eat of that tree. But she looked at it and she saw it was desirable to make one wise, that it was good for food. And she looked at it and she rationalized. She made excuses. She minimized what God had said. She denied what God had said. It reminds me of people who, a lot of people who read the Bible. They do kind of the same thing. They read the Bible, but they're not really listening to what the Bible has to say. President Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, often endured long receiving lines at the White House and complained that no one ever really paid attention to what he would say. So one, during, one day, during another long, dreary reception, he decided to try a little experiment. To each person who walked by and shook his hand, he said, I murdered your grandmother this morning. A long line passed by. The president made the, state, the startling statement to every individual. Guests responded with polite phrases like, wonderful to meet you, Mr. President. I appreciate your saying that. 
That's so wonderful, Mr. President. Thank you. Finally, as the reception line was almost ended, one guest walked by and the President Roosevelt smiled again and said, I murdered your grandmother this morning. The guest replied, well, I'm sure she had it coming. <laughs> he said, at least one person listened. You know, it, it's, it's amazing to me how often we will read the Bible and when we're done, we don't even know what we read. You, you, you can listen to a message, and, and afterwards, it's like, what, what did you take away? We take nothing away. It's like, well, like we're, we're, we're really not listening. You know, Christians, they, they go to church, they read their Bible, they pray, they go to a concert, and they're really like, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, until God's word, God's word conflicts with their goals, their happiness, pursuit of pleasure or prosperity. And what literally happens is, is people think that God is going to agree with them about everything. Right? And they don't expect God's word to make them uncomfortable, to challenge their behavior or their goals. And then they make excuses or they ignore it. Uh, a while back, Jeannie and I uh, went out with a, 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 a lady, good lady, I would even say a friend. And she, she mentioned, and I'd heard her say this, you know, about a guy that, that he's, he's my significant other. Now, she's single. And we're sitting there, and I said to you, are you sleeping with him? And she says, yeah. And she said, but I have peace about it. So I, you know, get the Bible out. I mean, that's what disciples do. Disciples like, get the Bible. What does the Bible say about that? So 1 Corinthians 4, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God. For no one should take advantage or defraud his brother and sister in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. As we also forewarned and testified... For God didn't call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. And I said, well, what about this, this verse? And she said, well, I'll pray about it. Now listen to me. Disciples don't pray about the Bible. <laughs> Disciples obey the Bible. And if... if in, if, if to you, God always agrees with everything that you want to do, and God likes what you like, and God has every political opinion that you have, listen to me. That's not God. That's somebody you made up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, These things are written to you to admonish you on whom the ends of the world have come. How many know that's us? The ends of the world have come upon us. And it says they're written to admonish us. The Greek literally means slap your face. If the Bible is not slapping you some, right, it's because you're not taking it serious. Because the Bible is supposed to slap us right upside the face. We go whack. And we'll go, whoa, 
I need to change. I need to repent. I need to back up. Right? Hey, listen, this is Psalms 50. These things you have done, and I kept silent. And you thought I was altogether like you. But I will rebuke you and set them, your offenses, in order before your face. See, here's, here's what this says. God is saying, because you did something and there was no immediate judgment, you thought I was saying it's okay. And that I was just like you. And I like everything you like. I remember years ago, I said, God, I'm sorry for that. And God said, no, you're not. You're just sorry I don't like it. Come on. You're sorry I don't like it, but you like it and you wished I liked it. The Bible's going to slap us. So he says, God says, because I was silent, because there was no judgment, you thought I was just like you and I thought it was all right. He says, but I will rebuke you to your face. Here's the thing. You plant an apple tree. You do not get an apple next week. You don't even get an apple next month or next year or the next year or the next year. If you're lucky, you get one in four years. And the same thing is true. So often we do something and we are sowing a seed and we're going to reap a harvest, but it doesn't show up that day. And we think because it didn't show up that God says, oh, it's all right. I, I, I understand. You know, I just, you have this special dispensation. Everything's fine when it's not fine. Right? When a disciple sees the word of God and it's uncomfortable and it slaps us, we change. Right? We change. Disciples see the truth in the word of God. They see God's word as a perfect message from God spoken to them, even when it makes them uncomfortable. Right? We've got we've to beware. Jeremiah, the prophet, had really in a lot of ways in his society was like our society. And, and this is, this is what, what he wrote. In whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them, and they find no pleasure in it. They said, when, when I speak God's word, people get offended. They get mad. Well, how many know that's what happened with Jesus, too? Some people got glad, but there were a lot of people who got mad. And the word of God, that's what it does. The same, the, the same verse, a different translation, says their ears are shut tight. They won't hear. They're ashamed of the Lord's word and take no pleasure in it. Another translation, they laugh and refuse to listen. You know, somebody might say, well, you know, I'm a Christian. They go to church and they read their Bible and they may even pray. But when the word of God is disagreeing with what they're doing, with what they're believing, they're not willing to change. In 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, it says, And we also thank God continually because you received the word of God which you heard from us and accepted it, not as a human word, not as a human word. I, I know just several years ago, there was a very popular pastor here in, in right in, in Grand Rapids. He said, the Bible is not God's word. The Bible is the word of people who sought God, but it's not God speaking to us. No, the Bible is God speaking to us. Listen, you accepted it not as a human word, 
but as it actually is the word of God, which indeed, which is indeed at work in you who believe. The Bible doesn't work for everybody. The Bible works for those who believe, right? Those who value it, accept it, and put it into action. Now, he was writing to the Thessalonians. They were disciples. They received it not as the word of man, but as the word of God. And it was working inside. They were, they were valuing it. They were accepting it. They were putting it into action. What you do, what you do when God, God's word presents a way of living, doing, behaving, and thinking different from what you've been doing, the way you've been living, doing, and behaving. What do we do when what we do, our doing, disagrees with what God has to say in his word? Well, let me just say, first of all, Psalms 119, verse 128, David said, I consider your precepts, that's your word, to be right concerning all things. So when God talks about marriage, he is right. When God talks about money, he is right. When dog talks about forgiveness, he is right. It doesn't matter what the subject is, he's right. And if you disagree, you're wrong. Just that simple. He says, I, I just consider your, your word concerning all things to be right, to be true. And then he said, ended it, and he said, and I hate every false way. He's saying, if you disagree with God, you're going in a false way. So what do we do when our lifestyle, our beliefs are different than what God says? James 1, verse 21. It says, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. A few years ago, Jeannie and I bought a, a little farm up by Cadillac to kind of have a get, getaway place. And, and uh, the previous owners had planted an orchard. But uh, most of what they planted were crabapple trees. Now, I don't know why, but that's what they did. And these trees, they, they, they got thorns like this big. And they are not nice. Right? So we have a guy who kind of helps us do some of the work up there and, and uh, I said to him, I said, well, just dig these out, just throw them away, burn them, something, and we'll get some new trees and put them in there. And he said, no, 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 let me graft something in. Right? And so this is, the, this is the process. He would trim that tree down, but then he would take the tree, that crabapple tree, and you say, why do they use crabapples? It's because it is the most hardy of all apple trees. The root system, they will survive when everything else dies. Right? So they had those crab apple trees. Well, he would cut a piece of that crab apple tree out, and then he would put in a branch from what is that? That crisp? What apple crisp? Crispy? Honey crisps? How many of you know these are good? Right? He puts that good honey crisp in there, but he had to cut some of that bad out, put a honey crisp branch in, and then tape it. Right? And then after that. You've got to make very, very sure that that plant gets plenty of moisture and plenty of nutrition. Right? So it's been ah, two and a half months. And I was out there just this week looking at those branches and we've been watering them and taking care of them and, and they're taken. Right? But notice, 
It says, that's what we do with God's word. We engraft it. So what we have to do is we have to cut our wrong belief or lifestyle out through repentance and then put the truth of God's word in. But once you put it in, you've got to take care of it. Right? You just don't say, oh, it's in. Now you've got to keep it watered. Keep it watered with the word. Keep it watered with prayer. Keep it watered by being around the right people. Right? And notice it says it's able to save your soul. It will change the way that you think and then change the way that you live. So let me ask you a few questions. Do you believe the Bible is the true word of God? That's what disciples believe. That it's not some man speaking to us. It's God speaking to us. All right. That's the answer. Do you want the Bible to be the standard on how you live? Or do you have some other standard that you consider worthy of your alliance? Is it the Bible or is it what culture says or what a friend says? I remember a while back I said to somebody, well, this is what the Bible says. And they said, well, Oprah said this. Like Oprah in the Bible. Who are we going to believe? Right? Oprah's here. Someday Oprah will be gone. But the word of God, it lives and it abides forever. Forever. Right? How do we respond when our goals and desires conflict with what the word of God says? A Christian might just keep on going their own way and try to ignore it. But a disciple is going to change. A disciple is going to engraft the word of God into their life. Uh, let me just ask you this. Do you believe what Isaiah 6 verse 2 says? Yeah. Okay. Somebody said, well, what does it say? Well, who cares? All right. Who cares what it says? If it's the Bible, you believe it. You say, what does it say? I don't know, but I believe it. Do you really believe living by the word of God will give you a richer, deeper, more fulfilling life? Yes, it will. It will. Will you obey God's word even when it costs you time, money, or pleasure, or entertainment? A disciple will say yes. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. He said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you what? If you abide in my word. Jesus said that a disciple who is fully taught will be like his teacher. You know, our ultimate teacher is Jesus. You know, if we're his disciples, we're going to become more and more and more like him. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. He said, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Say, would you bow your heads for just a moment? Wherever you're at online, please just stay with us for a moment. I know that there's people in every sort of a spiritual condition right now that are listening to me. Some of you that you've lived for God for decades and there's others, you know, you're far away from God. You feel right now like you're a thousand miles from God. But I want to tell you today that you can be right with God. You can be close to God. You can be reconciled to God. You can be in right relationship with him. Now, you may have been in church. You may have been religious. 
And, it, and you still, you feel far from God. But let me just tell you what Jesus said. He said, you must be born again. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody can come to the Father except through me. That means all of your efforts could never make you right with God. All of my efforts could never make me right with God. There's just one way, and that's through Jesus. And he said, be born again. Give him all of your heart and all of your life. And today, if you say, that's me, I want to get back to God or I want to get right with God, then I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me right now. Pray it out loud. I'm going to ask everybody, wherever you're at, pray this prayer out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. And I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. And I will live for him. I thank you my past is gone. That I'm forgiven. That I'm a part of your family. Today and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly. So join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.